I think the catalyst for Canadian banks is that if loan losses start coming in less than those provisions, that potentially will cause the banks to rally. Welcome to ETF Market Insights, a podcast where some of Canada's leading investment experts guide you through the world of exchange-traded funds. Brought to you by BMO Global Asset Management. Hello, and welcome to our Market Insights podcast, the quarterly portfolio strategy edition for Q3 of 2023. My name is Erica Toth, and I'm a director of ETF distribution for BMO ETFs in Eastern Canada. I'm joined by my colleague, Alfred Lee, who's director, investment strategist, and portfolio manager at BMO ETFs. Alfred's been putting together a quarterly portfolio strategy report and its ETF model for over 10 years now. So today we're going to chat about some of the key developments we've seen in the market over the last quarter and their implications on portfolio construction going forward. Alfred, thanks for taking the time to chat with us today. So first and foremost, in market headlines recently, inflation has come in quite considerably. Uh, The CPI in Canada has come in at 2.8% last week and U.S. CPI at 3% just a few weeks ago. And we've been saying since last autumn that once the supply chains caught up with the demand, that inflation would eventually normalize uh, sooner than the market thought. So both the Bank of Canada and the Fed look like they're moving to a policy now that's going to be more data dependent. Um, do you think they're getting close to declaring victory against the inflation fight? Well, you're right. Our thesis originally in the fall was when the economy would reopen, demand would outstrip supply. And then at the onset, I think, you know, inflation would look a lot worse than it actually was. Um, and then eventually, you know, supply chains, as you mentioned, would eventually catch up. And then we would start seeing some d- disinflationary pressures, which is exactly what we're seeing right now. But in terms of central bankers declaring victory, I still think it's a little bit early, uh, just given that, you know, CPI has come a long way. You know, if you told the market a couple of months ago that CPI would be at a two-handle in Canada um, right now, I think a lot of people would be in disbelief. But I still think it's a little bit early. I mean, if you look back in the 1980s, Paul Volcker, for example, he had to fight inflation actually two times, once in 1980, again in 1982, because he didn't properly extinguish it. So I think you know, with the Fed being as meticulous as they are in terms of looking at historical data, I'm sure they're pretty focused on that, making sure that they don't make the same mistake. So I think it is a little bit early. But, you know, as you mentioned, I think we are trending in the right direction. Um, I think moving to a policy that is more data dependent, I think is the right response at this point, just given that, you know, we always mention that it takes 18 to 24 months for these higher interest rates to work its way through the system. So I think, you know, that's the appropriate policy. I think it's, you know, they got to take more of a wait and see approach. I think the policy is going to shift more towards, you know, one that is more kind of trying to get ahead of inflation um, to one that's going to be more reactive. So I think they're going to be very data dependent. It's going to be relying on forward guidance. But unfortunately, for forward guidance to work, they have to do a rate hike, maybe another rate hike in order to maintain that credibility. But for the most part, I think, you know, the majority of the rate hikes are done with. And I think we are pretty close to the terminal value at this point. So let's talk a little bit about the yield curve. There's been a lot of focus on the inversion of the yield curve, uh, the spread between the 10-year and the two years really being the steepest inversion we've seen in decades. So given the inflationary environment, could this inversion actually be a good thing? Well, they always say this time is different, right? But uh, you never want to bet against the inversion of the yield curve. I would say in all of investments, the inversion of the yield curve is probably the best predictor just in terms of forecasting recession. What I will say, however, is that 
when you look at the economic backdrop this time around, it is a very it is a little bit different. Just given that, you know, if you if you take a look at the yield curve, the yield curve in in ways is basically basically the term structure or what the market believes for interest rates for now and going into the future as well. So because in the last year, year and a half, you know, we've been dealing with inflation or inflation has been the main concern. If you have a, a yield curve that is, you know, basically downward sloping, that in ways tells you that the market believes that inflation is going to be resolved or, or going to be dealt with. So I think in, in that regards, it is good news. Um, also, when you look at this slowdown, it's very different than what we've seen in the past, right? Usually you have a natural slowing in the economy. Uh, this time around, it was almost, you know, heading into 2022. Uh, central bankers were uh, had the opposite problem where they didn't want the economy to overheat. So they want to get ahead of it, start raising interest rates very aggressively, and they wanted to engineer a slowdown. So if you have an inverted yield curve, that tells you that the economy is slowing down. So in many ways, it does tell you that the central bankers were um, successful in terms of engineering that slowdown. But again, you don't want to bet against the yield curve. So you do want to have you know, those defensive exposures in your portfolio and in place in order to you know, manage that potential slowdown in the economy. So Alfred, your core position in the portfolio on the fixed income side is ZDB. That's our discount bond ETF. And in addition to that, you also have a barbell position in ZSU, which is our short-term U.S. investment grade corporate bond ETF, which is hedged back to Canadian dollars. And then you've barbelled that with ZTL, which is our long-term U.S. Treasury bond index. How does that benefit with the yield curve inversion? Well, when you look at the yield curve, I mean, you know, as you mentioned, it's it's inverted at this point. Um, but at some point, it's got to normalize. So the normal shape of the yield curve is upward sloping, um, as we all know. So for the yield curve to get back to that, you know, that state of in, in terms of being upward sloping, it could happen in two ways. Uh, Short term rates could go down or long term rates could go up. So our thesis, just because we think inflation is not coming back, we think the majority of that move is going to come from the short end. So that means in terms of, you know, the normalization of the yield curve, our short term rates are going to go down at some point. Um, so that's the reason why we have that barbell overlay on top of ZDB. Our exposure to you know positions such as ZSU, which is our um, short-term U.S. investment grade ETF, that basically gives us exposure to that point of the curve that we believe is going to go down at some point. Um, but at the same time, I mean, one thing that we mentioned in the last quarter was that the negative correlation between long bonds and the equity market has become negative again. So because of that inverted yield curve, we want to position for that uh, potential slowdown. So long bonds are going to be there for that you know, equity market hedge. So that's why we have that position in uh, ZTL, which is our long-term U.S. Treasury ETF. So Alfred, overall, uh, what percentage of the portfolio on the fixed income side is short duration versus long and mid? And what would be you know, the overall uh, statistics in terms of uh, duration and, and yield to maturity of the fixed income side of the portfolio? In terms of short and long we also have a position in ZST, which is our ultra short term bond ETF. Um, so we consider that part of the barbell as well. Um, so in terms of, you know, the barbell overlay, that's about 65% on the short end and then 35% on the long end. Overall duration stats of the fixed income portfolio, I think is about five and a half. But overall, we do have that barbell overlay on top of that core position of ZDB. 
So you have also a 5% allocation to ZTIP.F on the fixed income side. That's our short-term U.S. TIPS or or, uh, Inflation Protected Securities Index ETF, which is hedged back to Canadian dollars. Uh, Given that inflation at this point has started to recede, does this position serve a purpose? Are we going to see that in the portfolio over the coming quarters? What are your thoughts on that? This is a position that we thought about just in terms of whether we still need it in the portfolio, Um, just given, you know, as you mentioned, inflation has come in considerably. Um, But the reason why we have it in the portfolio and why we didn't make any changes this time around is because inflation can come back. Um, So when we look at, you know, if inflation were to come back, um, let's say, for example, the long end of the curve would probably go up. So we have that exposure to long-term treasuries through ZTL. So this is you know, our position in ZTIP.F, which is our short-term TIPS ETF, hedge back to the Canadian dollar, that is basically used as a hedge against in case inflation comes back and is to offset that long-term U.S. Treasury. So, um, you know, just when we look at inflation and, you know, potential ways it could come back, you know, our, our base case thesis is that inflation is going to continue to come in. But the way that we could see inflation come back is that, you know, when you look at the U.S. dollar right now, the U.S. dollar is expected to continue to go down against other currencies. So when you look at the US dollar versus the Canadian dollar, we have very similar monetary policy, so it should be pretty range bound. But when you look at the US dollar index, which is you know, a trade weighted basket against six other uh, currencies, it's been losing a lot of strength and we expect that to continue. So when you look at the US, they are a net importer. So with the weaker US dollar, that could increase the price of imports so they could, in, in many ways, be importing inflation. Uh, our base case, again, is, you know, inflation is, is dealt with. But when we look at break-even rates, especially in the one-year and the two-year, one-year break-even is about 1.3. Two-year break-even is about 1.9. So we view, you know, short-term tips as a low-cost option of having that insurance policy against inflation at this point. So shifting gears now, the Canadian banks have been really popular uh, trade with our clientele. We've seen about uh, three quarters of a billion dollars flow into the ZEB ETF. That's our equal weight Canadian banks ETF and the largest banks ETF in Canada. In the model portfolio, in the balance portfolio, we have a maximum weighting that can go into any sector of 8%. And we've reached that maximum weight for ZEB. So why do you think that the valuations are so low right now for the Canadian banks? And what do you think is the necessary catalyst to see them move higher at this point? With the Canadian banks, I mean, you know, when you look at them right now, you know, definitely by far in terms of our product shelf, as you mentioned, the most popular ETF here today. We've seen significant interest both from institutional investors, also retail investors as well. And I think the main attraction to the Canadian banks is the valuation. So when you look at the big six banks, the valuations in, in terms of a forward-looking PE ratio, um, they're trading at about 10 and a half times right now compared to the TSX, which is trading at about 14 and a half times. So you view that as about 27% discount to the market. So they are very attractively valued. When you look at you know the last 20 years, for example, the banks have only traded this cheap on a forward-looking PE ratio on two occasions, once in 2009. So that was the great financial crisis. And then 2020, which was the lockdown. So both of them you know, proved to be pretty good buying opportunities. Um, the main concern about Canadian banks right now is obviously higher interest rates, the impact on Canadian households, especially with households, you know, household debt still at record levels at this point. So, you know, higher interest rates are, is, is definitely going to stress a lot of Canadian, you know, consumers out. Um, but when you look at, 
you know, the loan loss provisions already put aside. Loan loss provisions, you know, Canadian banks have already, you know, put capital aside to prepare for those non-performing loans. So um, I think the catalyst for Canadian banks is that if loan losses start coming in less than those provisions, that potentially will cause the banks to rally. So we'll wait and see how those come in. But when you look at non-performing loans of each of the big six banks right now, usually between 30 to 80 basis points of their total loan portfolio. And then when you look at the Canadian banks, do we expect them to outperform over the next couple of months? Probably not. But as I mentioned, in, in terms of evaluation basis, they rarely get this cheap. And when you look at the dividend yield on our equal weight bank ETFs at EB, it's about 4.9%. So you're essentially getting paid to wait. So uh, that's essentially why we have that max weighting to 8% to ZEB at this point. So good buying opportunity for long-term investors. So when you and I chatted last quarter when we recorded this podcast, the main drama in the market at that point was the U.S. banking sector. So over the last two quarters, actually, uh, you've been selling your position of ZBK in the model. That's the equal weight U.S. bank CTF. And you've been moving that into ZWT, which is our covered call technology ETF. So that's been over the last two quarters, that shift. And that switch has worked out pretty well. Um, and you've outlined as well in, in the quarterly strategy report and, and uh, just a few moments ago that, you know, these two have become inversely correlated in the, in the recent months. So do you expect technology, which has been on, the, on a tear really for the last few months, to keep pace, uh, you know, heading into the second half of the year? I don't know if it's necessarily going to keep the pace. I mean, you know, it's it's up quite considerably. Um, we expect that pace to continue, but we do still view technology very favorably. I mean, that that switch from ZBK, which is our equal weight U.S. banks ETF, to our cover call technology ETF, ZWT, has worked out really well. I mean, year-to-date ZBK is down 19% on a year-to-date basis. ZWT is up 48% on the total return basis here to date as well. So that trade has worked out really well. You could call me crazy, but I think when you look at technology, in ways it is a hedge against the regional banking crisis. And the reason why is because, you know, if we do get another rate hike by the Fed, maybe two, that's going to put a lot of pressure on those regional banks and their health to maturity portfolio. So the Fed, their response in terms of if we get another blow up with the regional bank, is they're going to expand their balance sheet through you know, either the bank term funding program or by backstopping the CDICs, both of which are going to be expansive to their balance sheet. The other policy response they could do is they could cut interest rates, but all of which, you know, those should be good for technology because technology being, you know, longer duration assets or longer duration stocks, they should benefit from a more favorable interest rate environment. So we continue to like tech, especially with all this buzz going on around artificial intelligence. We think that AI, you know, tailwind is going to be with us for another, you know, 16 to 18 months at least. Um, so we like technology at this point. You know, the good thing about ZWT is that, you know, when you invest in technology, most of the companies don't pay a dividend. But when we are investing in ZWT, because of that cover call overlay, you're getting about a 3.9% uh, net yield on a distribution basis through that covered call overwrite. Um, and also because we are focusing on the 30 largest uh, technology companies, there's been a big discrepancy between large cap tech uh, and small cap tech, just because the large cap tech tends to be a lot more cash rich. And with that covered call overlay, we're also turning you know, potential volatility in that sector into a source of uh, cash flows. 
So we've covered off, you know, certain uh, sector exposures in the portfolio. How about core equity exposures? Uh, Within the core of the portfolio, uh, we tend to use a mix of the low volatility and the high quality ETFs. How are you positioned uh, this quarter and why? So when you look at, I mean, just the core benchmarks right now, the S&P, for example, is up um, 17% over the first six months. Uh, The NASDAQ 100 is up 39%. Um, global equities as measured through the MSCI world is up 15% on a total return basis. So, you know, obviously those are pretty big numbers. We don't expect that pace to continue. Um, I think heading into the year, the expectation was for the Fed to continue to aggressively tighten. And obviously we didn't see that. So as the year progressed, we saw, you know, the interest rate environment start to start to become more favorable for risk assets. Obviously, you know, in 2022 was a pretty horrible year for equities and bonds as well. And so as a result of that, in the first six months, there was a lot of that repricing going on. So, you know, a lot of that low hanging fruit, so to speak, is already gone. But as we move into the second half of the year, you know, one thing that we mentioned coming into the new year was that there should be a focus on quality, just because when you look at the interest rate environment, I don't think interest rates are going to go down meaningfully over the next year, year and a half. So you want to focus on those companies that have lower debt have defendable business models, competitive advantages, and that's what quality is. So I think that's the reason why quality is outperformed. We continue to like quality as a core. Another thing that we mentioned coming into the year as well is, you know, low volatility, we expect it to underperform in the first half. But as that risk-taking potentially slows in the back half, um, we think low volatility is going to provide more of a ballast to the portfolio in the second half. So we still stand by that call. We think low volatility is going to come back in the second half. But in terms of fixed income, we also believe in you know, higher quality. So focusing on investment grade rather than in the more speculative areas such as high yield. So last question to wrap things up today. How would you sum up your outlook as we go into the second half of this year? I think we're still constructive. I mean, as I mentioned, I think, um, you know, I don't think we're going to see the same kind of uh, intensity in the rally. Um, but we still believe, you know, we're still very bullish on technology. We still like, you know, cash rich, high quality companies, but we are constructive. I mean, there are some kind of risk factors out there, such as the geopolitical tensions between uh, Russia and Ukraine, potentially China and Taiwan. Obviously, you know, we don't want that to escalate as we head into um, 2024, as we get closer to 2024. Obviously, it's the, you know, we head into the U.S. presidential elections, could get some volatility there. But we're still very constructive of risk assets, but we don't expect the same pace to continue. Alfred, thanks so much for taking the time to chat with us. Always a pleasure. And I'm looking forward to our discussion in Q4 as we enter the final stretch for 2023. Hard to believe. Looking forward to it. Take care. Thanks, Erica. The viewpoints expressed by the portfolio managers represent their assessment of the markets at the time of publication. Those views are subject to change without notice at any time without any kind of notice. The information contained herein is not and should not be construed as investment, tax, or legal advice to any party. Investments should be evaluated relative to the individual's investment objectives, and professional advice should be obtained with respect to any circumstance. Any statement that necessarily depends on future events may be a forward-looking statement. Forward-looking statements are not guarantees of performance. ETF Market Insights has been brought to you by BMO Global Asset Management.